Hello, and welcome back to the Cuse Conversations podcast. The Winter Olympics are underway in Beijing, and Team USA's top athletes have their sights set on winning gold on the world stage. As the Food and Nutrition Registered Dietitian for the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee, Maggie McCrudden leads Team USA's nutrition program that helps these world-class athletes at the Olympic Training Center in Lake Placid rise to their potential. I've always been pretty much a foodie. And then as I, one year I just like grew a bunch of inches, I grew like six, six inches in my eighth grade. And that's when I started to kind of take off in sports. I did basketball, volleyball, swimming, and then I started rowing in eighth grade when I had this big growth spurt. And I was my like own guinea pig. I, you know, was going to like a few basketball practices in a day. And, you know, when I didn't drink um, water, like I felt this way and I took notice like, oh, when I don't eat well, I really feel lousy. Like I'm so tired. My next day, I'm so much more sore. It's really hard for me to focus in school. Um, And I just started to do my own research and kind of play around with food. Um, And it just got me really interested in it. So I've been lucky to like know that I wanted to do something with food and nutrition from a young age. Hi, I'm John Boccasino, Senior Internal Communications Specialist at Syracuse University. On this CUSE conversation, we sit down with Maggie to discuss how she developed a lifelong appreciation for food and its impact on our bodies. We also discuss how her approach to nutrition incorporates data and science with meeting people where they are. Maggie, we appreciate you making the time to join us today. How are you holding up these days? I'm doing great. Thanks for that warm welcome. Um, <laughs> it's great here. So I live in Lake Placid and I'm at the winter, um, like the Lake Placid Winter USOPC Center. We've all put on some weight uh, due to either bad food choices, lack of activity. What advice would you give to people who maybe have put on that COVID-15 and they're looking to change their lifestyle? They're looking to pick up healthier eating habits. What kind of advice do you give to them? Typically as a dietitian, I like to like work with everyone individually because there's no, you know, one diet that fits for everyone, but I would, you know, just take a look at your day to day and see what your repeated, um, you know, food consumptions are and kind of just see what you, you know, don't really care about. I would say like, if your coffee is like your go-to and you're like, I have to have my coffee with, you know, two pumps of caramel, whatever it is. Um, and that's like, you know, it starts your day right. And that's how I get through my morning meetings, however it is. Um, so that stays. But if you're like, oh, I didn't realize I was grabbing two scoops of peanut butter every day, you know, those little things add up. So I would just kind of be more mindful of the different little things that you do and see what you can live without. How important is it for individuals who want to seek change to establish a healthy, lifelong relationship with food? And what are the keys to making sure that you reach those strategies and you reach those goals? Okay, so that's a great question. Um, yeah, so I am with you. I, so, you know, there's a lot of fad diets and a lot of um, misleading information. Like every other year, eggs are good for you. Eggs are bad for you. You know, milk, you should drink milk. You shouldn't drink milk. Um, it's just a lot of conflicting information out there. Um, and that's, you know, one of the reasons why I liked getting into nutrition and food. It's just, I was just like you, like I tried a lot of different diets or different ways of eating to fuel myself, um, to see what worked. Like I was my own Guinea pig. Yeah. So I would just kind of 
after all the years of school, it's keep it simple is my main advice. Um, you know, if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. Um, you know, you don't gain weight overnight and it's the same way with losing weight or maintaining a healthy weight. It's just balance. Um, so that's why we work with the athletes here and just general, general, well, you know, eating well is balanced. So there's like the choose my plate diagram where you're aiming simply to have half your plate is vegetables, um, or fruit, fruit and vegetables. And then some protein, some starch. So it's simple. Um, it is really easy to fall into a trap, especially in this time where we're like all on Instagram a lot or all on Facebook or whatever social media platform you like. Um, there's a lot of different conflicting ideas out there, but just try to keep it simple. Um, you know, if you are really interested in looking into your nutrition, write it down, like see what you're eating over a day. And just sometimes that actually just helps little things pop out to you. And then you're like, Oh, I didn't realize that, you know, every day I was getting this or, you know, I could actually have this and it's a lot more nourishing. And, and how important too, is it, do you, are you a believer in the, uh, the school of thought of, you know, in, in moderation, you can have those, like you mentioned, you know, peanut butter or having the, the pump of caramel in your, your coffee mm-hmm. before the morning, I guess, how important is it to still have those little sweet items? If you have a sweet tooth and not deprive yeah. yourself of things, because it seems like that makes it harder to achieve your goals if you're depriving yourself. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I know they, I mean, like a lot of the nutrition research says like, as soon as you say no, that's all you want. It's like this, you know, don't no more ice cream. It's like, all I think about is ice cream. Um, so yeah, everything in moderation and, um, even moderation. So like, if it's your birthday, I wouldn't say don't have cake ever. Like I'm not a person to ever say that have cake, have ice cream cake, have, you know, both cakes, whatever. It's your friend's birthday, you know, enjoy. But, um, we did learn this in Syracuse too. It was my first, um, one of our, one of the great classes I took was intuitive eating and mindfulness. So when you are enjoying something like a cake or your caramel coffee, um, just be totally mindful of that. Um, be aware, you know, like this is, you know, not the most nourishing item, but I love it. It tastes delicious and I'm going to drink it slowly. I'm going to, you know, enjoy the flavors that are in my palate. Um, you know, I'm going to take my time with it because it does take time for your stomach to recognize or your brain to recognize that you are full. So really just enjoy it. That's the main thing. Like there's a bunch of different exercises you could do, like letting a piece of chocolate melt on your tongue and just slowly enjoying that piece of chocolate. And that is really satisfying. Yeah. Just take your time with it. Really enjoy it. Savor it. Um, you know, turn off the distractions that helps, you know, put everything, um, you know, take the popcorn out of the bag, put it in a smaller bowl. So you are, you know, aware of your, you know, portion or just aware that you're enjoying the snack and that's totally totally fine and awesome. You should enjoy your snacks. What is the connection between what we eat and how we feel? I think there's a, that's like a deep rooted question. I think there's a lot of nutrition that comes with mental health too. So, and also like your, where you grew up. So, you know, my background, my grandpa came from China. My grandma was Polish. They met in English speaking school in New York city, which is so cute. Um, but they developed this, you know, cuisine of a mix of Polish and Chinese food. Um, so when I grew up, we were mixing like pierogies with dumplings, you know, like just making a weird concoction. Our Thanksgiving has the turkey stuffed with rice. Um, just like our culture, like what I grew up with is very food centered and different cultures have different um, 
kind of ideas about food or just who's in the household. There's just a different, you know, everyone grows up with different concepts of food. Um, so, you know, food for me is like, makes me feel loved. Like when my grandma cooks for me, she's like, why didn't you finish? Do you not love me? Um, it's just, you know, that's just my family, but other families are like my husband, he eats, they're very athletic. Um, and they, he really eats for fuel. Like, he's like, this is awesome. It tastes great, but like, I'm done. I'm satisfied. And there was no clean plate club at his dinner table. Ours was very clean plate club. Um, so I feel like it has to do with a lot with growing up. Um, and I definitely think there's obviously there's connection with like the dopamine that your body releases when you have something that's pleasurable, like sweets, you know, or greasy or fatty foods that taste good. You know, your brain is like, Oh, that, that was nice. I want to have more. Um, so there's definitely that relationship to the science part, but a lot of it's culture and how you grow up and how you have been taught to be around food. I would say. When people think of nutrition, there's the typical tropes that kind of come to mind of, again, eating more veggies, cutting back on salty snacks. Um, but it's so much more than those tropes. It's about meeting people where they are. And it's about hard facts and science and data. Describe your approach of how you incorporate that data that goes into nutrition with meeting people where they are. I work with different age groups. So sometimes we have the junior national teams in that are, you know, nine years old to 18. Um, or sometimes we have athletes that have been through the Olympic cycle multiple times. So they're in their thirties or forties, you know? So we have a very big range of nutrition education. Um, and again, like what their parents told them. So, or what they learned in school, nutrition doesn't get that much attention in school. Um, so the nutrition facts part of it, um, it's kind of meeting the person where they are, where they're at, like basically what you just said. Um, so understanding what they already know. So letting the person you're talking to kind of guide you and give you some insight of like, okay, I know that, you know, you could be talking to one person that knows the amount of macros and everything. Cause that's, you know, they track their food. They look at that all the time um, versus someone who has never looked at a nutrition label, doesn't know a carbohydrate from a fat or doesn't really have any concept of nutrition. Um, so you kind of just have to feel that out. I'm not going to be talking to you or not to you, but to someone who doesn't know what, you know, a, a, a carb is to count the amount of, um, you know, grams of carbs they're having per day. Like, I feel like that is too far out for them. We're going to tone it back and just go over, you know, these are carbs and like, this is what a healthy portion would look like, you know, and just, aiming to hit a variety of them versus, you know, we have someone who's trying to put on weight and they need to hit 200 grams of something per day. Then we're going to go into like the nitty gritty and kind of talk more about like, you know, if you're not hungry, but you need to hit a little bit more carbs, why don't we put a little bit more into your smoothie? Just like little sneaky ways to get to where you want to be. What can we do to improve nutritional education in schools and get kids learning about this from an early age? Um, okay. So we actually did in my dietetic internship, one of my rotations was in the schools, um, And we did a lot of plate waste studies, which is basically seeing what kids throw out and, you know, um, the school lunch program, you know, you have to offer a certain amount of vegetables and fruit per, per day, per week. Um, I think to get kids more interested in food, it's, I'm not a huge fan of the clean plate club just because I think it leads to problems later on. And I don't, you know, there's, um, 
when you're teaching children how to eat, it's introducing foods multiple times, you know, and then also mirroring as an adult. So if you're a parent that has um, a very limited diet, um, you know, I would fake it, like eat the broccoli, you know, broccoli tastes great. Broccoli tastes great. I love broccoli, you know, just kind of showing your child or whoever you're mirroring for that, you know, it tastes really good. And then usually, you know, when a kid falls, you're like, oh, no, you're okay. You, you know, you're good. And they're like, they're fine. Um, you know, it's just kind of introducing foods and showing them, you know, green vegetables can take, taste good because there's a lot of media or, you know, the attractive commercials and attractive boxes in the supermarket are usually the super sweet ones. Um, so it's like the attractive shiny new toys um, in the supermarket, sometimes not the best option for them. Um, and fruits and vegetables taste really good. You know, usually children love fruit. Um, because it's sweet and, you know, mixing a little bit of fruit with, you know, some less ideal vegetable that that child has um, is definitely a good way to improve their, you know, interest in fruits and vegetables. Um, in the school level, I think it's just exciting. Try to show more exciting foods. Um, and I think that kind of stems from at home if you're eating fruits and vegetables at home, you'll eat it at school. How did you become interested in nutrition in the first place? And how has your career as a registered dietitian unfolded? Um, okay, so I've always been pretty much a foodie. Um, growing up, I spent a lot of time with my grandma. And um, my grandpa, actually, he was a diabetic. So from an early age, we worked on just different like ways to get grandpa to eat. And then at, you know, as he aged, so we had to make like softer foods just so it's more easy for him to swallow. Um, and that just played, that played a little bit of a role, but it really just got me like with my hands into food. Like I just loved cooking. Like I've come home from school and make pancakes. I would um, make muffins, like just make a bunch of different foods and work with my mom and just was always involved in the kitchen. Um, and then as I, one year, I just like grew a bunch of, in, I grew like this six inches in my eighth grade. And that's when I started to kind of take off in sports. I did basketball, volleyball, swimming. And then I started rowing in eighth grade when I had this big growth spurt. And I was my like own guinea pig. I, you know, was going to like a few basketball practices in a day. And, you know, when I didn't drink um, water, like I felt this way. And I took notice like, oh, when I don't eat well, I really feel lousy. Like I'm so tired. My next day, I'm so much more sore. It's really hard for me to focus in school. Um, and I just started to do my own research and kind of play around with food. Um, and it just got me really interested in it. So I've been lucky to like know that I wanted to do something with food and nutrition from a young age because that kept me you know, on the right direction. Because um, to become a registered dietitian, you it's a lot of planning. Um, so when I was looking at universities to come to, um, Syracuse definitely stuck out. My sister also was, is an alum. So that made it easy um, just to like look at Syracuse and it was fun to visit. Um, and then I went and I met with some of the professors in the folk school. Um, and it's a, the Syracuse program is one of the very, like you're, once you complete the program, you can get placed or if you match to a dietetic internship, um, it has all the, you know, credentials to get you into a dietetic internship. Um, so that would be the next step. And 
So I matched to a dietetic internship in New Jersey, the College of St. Elizabeth, and which um, I actually took my master's at the same time. So I matched the internship, which is 1,200 hours of supervised practice, which is an unpaid internship. Um, so luckily, I was able to live with my parents. And um, like, I also volunteered with my high school rowing team and was their team nutritionist at that time and just kind of helped them um, through there. I also coached. So I coached and then did their nutrition program. Um, so I did my 1200 supervised hours and that's broken up between like clinical hours. So I was in different hospital settings, um, outpatient, inpatient, um, different, you know, uh, dialysis, diabetes, different sorts of medical nutrition therapy. Then we did some food service. Then we did, um, like just different community outreach. I did some health coaching. I did the Girl Scouts. I did food serve, um, sorry, nutrition in food, um, schools, which was fun. And then we got to choose our like topic of interest and that mine was for counseling. So I worked at CNBC and did some counseling there, um, which was really exciting. Um, and from there, I was able to sit for my licensing exam, um, which I you know, I passed the summer after my internship and I actually, my first job was one of the places I did my rotations at, um, during my internship. So that was awesome. I had a very smooth, um, transition out of my, uh, internship into work and it was fun. I had a great job. My first job was in a vent unit. So definitely different than it is for me now, very clinical. Um, so a lot of, more of like a, the medical side of nutrition, but I think it definitely gave me like a huge, um, an awesome understanding of the medical nutrition therapy part of nutrition. Um, and I'm happy that I went straight into that. Um, because it, you know, I, like reading stuff in books is awesome, but it was actually like dealing with patients and dealing with the family members, dealing with doctors, dealing with nurses and understanding like the, you know, interaction between medication and the body. Um, was huge for me. And then I transitioned from there into, I went to New York city and I became a nutrition clinical nutrition manager. So I managed a team of four dietitians or three dietitians and a diet technician. And then from there, I moved into, moved to Lake Placid. Um, and it's been an awesome transition to here. And I think the reason I got this position was because I, um, have this sport background and the USOPC is super, super team oriented. Um, and I think Syracuse completely prepared me for, you know, each step of the way to get from just a, you know, high school graduate to, you know, passing through all these biochem, like all these sci hard science classes into the world of nutrition. What's the biggest way that your Syracuse education impacted your current career as a dietitian and in nutrition? I feel, well, right now I'm doing a lot of stuff with like food, um, like service-ish work um, and food science. We do a lot of cooking here and it's a lot of like introducing athletes to different foods. Um, I feel like a lot of our classes, like in the higher level nutrition level, we did the counseling sessions. We did, so we would, in Syracuse, we would have um, students could access a nutrition student and go through 
nutrition counseling, which I felt was awesome for students and awesome, awesome for us. So we could work with a client um, or patient one-on-one. And I feel like that was so helpful for me because again, you can read things in books and, you know, but then you get into a conversation with someone and you think it's going to go one way and it goes a completely different way. Um, And I feel like having exposure and access to different um, opportunities and professors to kind of guide us through um, just what it is like to be a dietitian because you're dealing with people. You're not dealing with like the perfect patient and nobody eats a perfect diet. So you have to kind of be adaptable and flexible. And I feel like being at Syracuse, you, I mean, for me, being an athlete, we're juggling so many different things, being on a team with 40 women, um, you know, having coaching meetings, having all the school and all the um, different like clubs and stuff you were in. um, It really helped you kind of just go into a situation or a conversation and kind of go with the flow kind of, I feel like, and that's a lot of being a dietitian is understanding who you're talking to and see what they want. Cause I could, I feel like I could talk forever about food, but it's what do you want to gain out of the conversation? Maybe you just have a quick question or maybe you really need to sit down and talk like once a week for months just to kind of figure out um, to break some, some hard habits. You are the dietitian for the U S Olympic team uh, stationed in Lake Placid, a beautiful part of the country. Take us through what you're doing to help prepare these athletes for competition and what your job really entails. Our main athletes here are bobsled, skeleton, luge, biathlon. Those are like our main resident athletes right now. Uh, My day-to-day job is really just to work closely with the executive chef and the kitchen staff to kind of make sure that we are providing a balanced and a variety of different foods to fuel all the different types of athletes that we have. What I aim to do is to have a nice variety of foods. And like you said, these athletes aren't just the average person, you know, some of them are super specific and, you know, they're following their, they're tracking their meals. They're trying to hit a certain amount of protein, um, carbs per day. Um, so it's making sure that we have the ability to supply all that for them and then make it easy. My main focus is making sure that we can nourish them day in and day out because nutrition isn't just, um, you know, what you eat one meal, it's the repeated action of fueling yourself, recovering, um, resting, um, staying hydrated. It's the full, full circle of nourishment for your body and wellness. Stress is high. Um, competition is super, super high. Um, so, and I also like find it, um, like a lot of compassion for the athletes. Cause you know, I, I try to put myself in their shoes. You know, I was a student athlete myself, but you know, and they have, just what I had times two times five, you know, like they have a lot of things going on. This is an Olympic year. You know, they've been training for since some of them have been here since, you know, they grow up coming to the center since they were juniors. So it's just, well, it's a high stress environment. So once a week we do a really fun food activity in the beginning. Um, when I first started here, it was like all about different, like, cooking methods. So sometimes it would be related to food science. So it would be the, the muffin method or the biscuit method of just um, mixing um, different cupcake sort of batter and try to see how those, you know, change with baking, just sort of nutrition education variety. Um, then I did some dumpling for when we were doing like hype for um, just different hype events. We tried to do a lot of Asian cooking. Um, we did sushi rolling, but like my 
one of my like favorite things about this job is like the flexible, like the access and the flexibility that I have with cooking with the athletes is just so fun. Like um, you get a bunch of national team or just competitive athletes together with their teammates who they've known for their whole lives or, you know, or, or just met. Um, but it's such a funny competitive environment. Um, you're, you think you're just rolling sushi, but it's really turns into like who can roll the largest sushi roll, um, who can eat the most sushi. Um, and here I am like, I'm like, okay, so we're talking about different forms of protein, right guys. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like putting all the sushi rice down. And you're like, okay, <laughs> this turned really quick. Um, like sushi became a competitive sport, um, but it's just fun. And it's nice to have like a, like a lighter environment for them. And um, sometimes it turns into like team building and just uh, for me, I feel like it gives a nice window of opportunity to see like where education is lacking or, you know, sometimes it's stressful and you don't want to ask for anything. Like our athletes are so grateful and, you know, I, I feel like that's across the board with athletes. Um, they, like they would never, like a lot of times they'll never complain. Um, sometimes, you know, sometimes they do, but like, sometimes they're like, this is the best food I've ever had in my entire life. And you're like, all right, no, be real. Like what, what could you use? Like, is there anything that you're missing? Is there something like you really would value if we had that every day? And then doing these little food activities, you get like a little bit more personal and it's, you know, they'll share some more information that, you know, I'll bring back to the executive chef. I'm saying we need to order different protein bars because most of ours contain soy and, you know, we're really looking for whey, something simple like that, which I wouldn't have really thought twice of. Also, it's fun to teach athletes how to cook because um, when I actually did a summer internship with the Giants um, dietitian, when, and that also started me off thinking about nutrition and sports as a career um, and working with the football team, um, there was a few Syracuse alumni in that rookie camp and, you know, Syracuse is awesome. And um, I was kind of like, it was my first time seeing how little nutrition um, of like actually cooking some of the athletes had because at Syracuse, they went to the dining hall, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then they had snacks, um, you know, made for them at practice. So they weren't really understanding like how to actually make their own snacks. So I really feel there's a lot of value to doing these cooking classes because, you know, some, some athletes, yeah, they're like making their own bread at home or in their, um, you know, in the resident kitchen, the dining, but some athletes really are like, I don't know how to make a smoothie. Knowing that athletes are creatures of habit and it's hard to get into their inner circle of trust. How much do you think it helps with your relatability and your credibility being a former division one student athlete? I think it helps a lot. Um, I definitely have, I try to put myself in their shoes a lot. Um, and I have so much compassion for the amount of work and the exhaustion that they are really just living through day to day. Um, our coach, Justin Moore used to always say, um, you know, you're an athlete when you think about your sport all the time, not just at practice. Um, and I really take that to heart to, you know, working with these athletes, they are an athlete all the time. Like it's a full-time job. They're thinking about it, you know, day in, day out, um, off season, like there is really no off season. They're always training, you know, it's a competitive environment where they're, um, you know, competing against their friends, which, you know, what is what we did at Syracuse too, in rowing, you're as fast as you're the slowest person in your boat. And you're, you know, we're always pushing each other to be their best. 
Um, and if that means that you see me, race me out as a varsity eight, then, you know, like good for you. Like, I'm not mad at you. I'm, I'm happy that our boats are going to go fast. Um, and I feel like that mentality really helps me relate to the athletes. You know, they know that a lot of them know that I was an athlete in college. And I think it's just, it's nice to just have that camaraderie with the athletes. And they know that I understand that they're, you know, going through a lot and, um, you know, I know how hard it is to juggle a crazy schedule. Um, so I think it really does help me just put myself in their shoes and kind of really understand their timeline. Cause a lot of nutrition is, it's not just what you eat. It's like the timing and how you're recovering and, um, your different training cycles. So I feel like being an athlete helps me prepare them because I have an idea of what they're going through. Now, I know you mentioned earlier that um, your your sister uh, is also a proud uh, Syracuse alum, and you obviously earned your degree in 2014 from Falk. What does it mean to you to be a Syracuse University graduate? It means like the world. Um, also, my husband I met, he was a men's thrower as well. So we have a huge Cuse alumni um, network. Um, so like all my closest friends, I would say, um, are Syracuse alum. Um, I, know, I just, I love it. I think back to those four years and I'm like, how is it only four years? I like accomplished so much. I met so many people, like everyone I know is Syracuse. Um, we all are obsessed with Syracuse. Um, it just, I like, I'm so grateful for my four years at Syracuse and um, rowing was, you know, probably one of the most impactful things that I ever did um, being on the Syracuse team. And um, I think my experience at Syracuse was so memorable and amazing is because we had so many international students on our team and just like the network and community that Syracuse fosters um, it totally influenced like how I developed as a student athlete I never knew how strong I was going to be until I sat next to these awesome women um, who pushed me every single day and we pushed each other and you know in the classroom as well like some of my close you know, school friends, I would say, like I have my athlete friends, school friends. Um, and, you know, just like, it's an awesome network. Like if I ever have questions or, you know, even if it's like, I always call my one, my co-captain, Miranda Williams, um, like every lifetime event, I'm like, do you think I should take this job? She's like, you have to take that job. Um, and she lives in Australia and she's like up at two in the morning, like on our wedding morning, I called her and she's like, I knew you were going to call me and it's 2 a.m. <laughs> and we're like all getting ready and she's like on zoom or on my facetime um being like i'm so excited for you guys um we have a great alumni group where we watched hattie um who is our teammate um row in the olympics we had like a watch party because at work we do watch parties all the time so i was like anyone who wants to join my zoom call come on we're going to be cheering hattie on um so we had a big group all cheering her on from like all over the country and again like i feel like syracuse is a big school but you make it so small by like all the network and all the different communities you join and different things that you do. We're definitely a bleeding orange family. She's Maggie McCrudden, the official dietitian for the U.S. Olympic team based in Lake Placid. Maggie, thank you for making the time and keep up the, uh, the great work. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a pleasure. Um, go Cuse. <laughs> Thanks for checking out the latest installment of the Cuse Conversations podcast. My name is John Boccasino signing off for the Cuse Conversations podcast.